Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. Okay. Hi, everybody. Today, welcome back to um, the uh, podcast. And uh, it's really a great pleasure for me today to introduce you to Marnie Kelsey, who is a uh, blue and gold officer, as well as a air liaison uh, officer, uh, but also a mother of uh, several service academy um, uh, students right now. And so, um, we're really, I'm really looking forward to, to talking with her today about uh, her experiences uh, as um, you know, as a mother, as a you know, as a BGO, and as an ALO. And uh, you know, uh, we we met because uh, Marnie was a, a big fan of the podcast, and she reached out to me and uh, you know said how much she enjoyed you know listening to you know the information we were putting out in the in the in the podcast and uh, and uh, we just really when we got on the phone we talked for probably about an hour an hour and a half about you know kind of all the things you know that uh, about the service academies and and the challenges and the complexity of it and and how you know she helps you know candidates from the California's Central Valley uh, you know, Fresno area and, and, uh, places around there kind of navigate, uh, this process. So without further ado, I'll, I'll introduce you to, uh, Marnie and then, uh, she can go into more detail uh, kind of about how, um, you know, about her background. So I wanted to ask you first, Marnie, sir, first of all, welcome to the podcast. And I wanted to just ask you first, just, to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. Um, I'm a 32-year educator. I recently retired. Uh, my job, in I functioned as a teaching principal, counselor. I've taught every subject and all grades. Uh, I come from a large military family. Uh, my father, retired naval officer. We kind of moved up the coast of California with his Navy career. Uh, most of our family was Navy. There was a smattering here and there of some army. Uh, my own kids, I have my own three children, uh, are Air Force Academy, class of 17, Air Force Academy, class of 24, Naval Academy, class of 2020. And our oldest was enlisted Coast Guard. Additionally, one of mine is currently engaged to a Coast Guard Academy. So I've had a little bit of exposure <laughs> to some of the academies firsthand. Um, uh, I think one of the Im important influences in our family was that I'm a second generation American. My dad was first generation. Uh, my grandfather hopped on a boat when he was 13 to come to America all by himself. And he enlisted in the army to gain his citizenship. But since then, my family was so grateful to be here and proud to be in America that they have really all stepped up, many, many, many of my family, to serve this great country and preserve what we have. Um, I attended Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I attended Cornell for a short stint in Cal State Long Beach as well. 
and earned my three degrees and three credentials. And so that's my story. Nice. That's awesome. And and you and your uh, you live in the Fresno area, which is like the breadbasket of the United States. And your husband is a almond farmer. Yes, that is correct. So we we actually reside up in Mariposa, uh, which okay. is a tiny little gold mining town. Uh, we the nearest city to us would be Fresno. I go down to Fresno quite uh-huh. often, and uh, most of my ALO and BGO work is down in that area. But I also work pretty intensely, and this is how it all got started, with the kids up here in the mountain area because academies are not common and not well-known. People don't know about them up here. And additionally, it's hard to even get representation from all the different academies, ROTCs, and even enlisted branches to even come up here because we're so remote. Yeah. So I have functioned for years. Just uh, I get called in because people know me and know what my kids have done to talk to kids that might be interested in going these routes and to try to present to them the different options and choices and routes that they could pursue. Yeah, no, I know the, um, you know, I know that Army ROTC has a, um, has a, has a, uh, uh, a unit up in um, Fresno and maybe Air Force ROTC might too. I, I know Navy does not. And so you're right. I mean, there's really not a lot of, um, other than Cal State Fresno and some ROTC up there, there's really not a lot of kind of officer commissioning uh, representation. I know there's enlisted uh, representation, I'm sure, up in, up in the Fresno area, but you're right to try to get uh, the word out about officer commissioning sources, whether it be the service academies or ROTC, you know, you're really, you really don't have a lot up there. Do you? No, no. And we are even further up the mountain. So we're about an hour and a half up the mountain from Fresno, which makes distance is, is a challenge sometimes, especially in weather. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, 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 uh, and so, um, I mean, really that gets into, you know, um, you know, kind of how you became a BGO and an ALO because, you know, in where I live down in Los Angeles, you know, obviously you have a lot of graduates of, of the academies that kind of act sometimes as these, you know, these ALOs and BGOs or, you know, reservists, uh, you know, whoever they might be. Um, but I mean, you've, you know, you've, you know, what I thought was so extraordinary about you is you're, you know, is you're doing both the BGO and the ALO role. And also the fact that, you know, you're not a graduate uh, or a, you know, a reservist. Uh, so, you know, you're doing this as a, you know, as a, a person who has experience with, you know, your, your uh, children going through that. So how did you get involved with uh, the BGO and the ALO uh, being both of those and, and, uh, and how are you liking it? <laughs> well, again, um, living in the area that I live in, way up the mountain, uh, I, I was stating how many, there, there's three main high schools up here. And I do get called in when kids are interested in academies, but also in other, you know, areas to just to know what their choices are, ROTC, et cetera. Uh, so after doing this for a number of years, and many of my military friends knew what I was doing. They're like, well, why don't you just go through the training and just be official? (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I did. And, uh, it's funny because at at one point I was questioned about, 
you know, is there conflict of interest when I'm representing, you know, two different branches? And I said, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, when there's nobody for Merchant Marine or Coast Guard or Army, I actually present those as well, because really it's all about the kid. It's all about finding those great potential candidates, great potential officers, great potential leaders. So it really is all about the kids. Um, And so so it's really educational as well as kind of evaluative, right? Definitely. And Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I feel being an an educator has given me an edge as well, because I can, I can spot kids and, and most educators can that, and you'll look at a kid and go, Hmm, he would be a good fit for military <laughs> or she would be, yeah. you know, you, you, you can just tell as a teacher, we, we essentially are the boots on the ground, the people in the classrooms, um, being an educator, academy parent, and growing up in a military family. Um, I found that doing what I do is not only a natural fit, but it's my passion. It's something that I, I'm so familiar with and, and have spoke the language for a long time. Uh, being an educator also helps because I have an in-depth knowledge of um, high school courses, not only the courses that are needed, but what mm-hmm. all, you know, the courses, the course offerings within a high school and how it, it could benefit or not benefit or dovetail with a program with and whatever the program the the student is uh, aspiring to achieve, um, and if I don't know the answer, I do know somebody who does. So, for instance, yeah. one time, one student uh, wanted to go Navy and was attempting to go Naval Academy and had a free period in senior year and asked, "Should I take French four?" Or should I take welding? Because don't you need welding on a ship? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, good question. <laughs> yeah, he had a spot in his, his schedule. And so I, I went to my superiors. And in that particular case, it was more advantageous for him to take fourth year French. So again, being in the, the high school realm has, has really helped me out and helped, I think, the students out. Additionally, I also know all the extracurricular opportunities that are available. I can give suggestions for leadership opportunities, community service opportunities. Um, And part of my career, I also spent in the unknown world, pretty, pretty much unknown world until COVID, of homeschooling. I was a homeschooling instructor for the uh, public Mm -hmm. school. And that is an up and coming, especially since COVID hit and the whole world was homeschooling and a lot of it's, yeah, it's yeah. Really misunderstood, but I also have experience in that realm and I'm able to help guide those students if this is what their aspiration is and how to achieve yeah. that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, having that kind of background as a high school, you know, kind of, you know, as a secondary school teacher kind of just gives you that you know, kind of perspective, I think that's just so valuable to these candidates as kind of as they, as they navigate this process. And so um, what I wanted to just um, kind of talk about, I know that you've got so much to say about this uh, is, and I'm going to skip a question here, Marnie, if you don't mind, but I'm just, I just really want to get into, you know, this advice piece, you know, because, you know, uh, God, I mean, you know, the reason why we have this podcast is, is that this, this, 
process is so complex. You know, it's just so, you know, mind, you know, to get your mind around kind of all the things that you have to do to, to, you know, to, from start to finish. And so, you know, I know this, this, we could probably go on for hours about this, but it's kind of, I want to get at kind of the advice that you can give to academy applicants and their parents about being organized and trying to navigate your way through this process. Okay. I know you've got, I think you, I think you've got to get like your 12 things of notes. Yes. Your 12 pages of notes. <laughs> being a teacher. Yes, I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yep. I was doing my homework. Um, <laughs> so advice, advice, advice for applying. All right. <laughs> this it's is like, where you, you're like, you're like, where do I start? So this is basically what I run through. Um, I meet with, with parents. I, I request if, if possible, the parent, because honestly, even though this, the journey is the child's journey, it is the rare, rare kid who actually can be successful in acquiring an appointment. And there are those that do without any support from the parent. So, and I will talk about the parent's role in a little bit. So I meet with the child and the parent usually takes around two hours and I start off. My first question always is, do you want to serve? Do you understand Mm -hmm. what this all means? You must be passionate about wanting to serve or you're not going to make it through. You won't even make it through basic if this is not your passion. You have to realize if you're applying for an academy as well, that you are going to school, but after school is over, you will be serving in one aspect of the military or another. So I then ask, where do you see yourself in four or five years? And I say five because some students, like my own kids, two of my kids did the prep school route. Um, I will give the example of one of my older kids. So my son, Caleb, was accepted to both the Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy. And that was quite an honor. And and he had to make a choice. It was a tough choice. And being a Navy family, he had wanted Naval Academy for a long time. We drove him out there to actually see the academy. He'd never set foot on that. And that is a bit of advice I do. If parents have the opportunity to take the kids out to see the academies, I highly recommend that because they will get a feel for what, if this is right for them or not, because this isn't just a choice of where you're going to college. This is a choice for your career and your life. So we drove him out there. He put one foot on the academy. He chose Air Force. We're like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then he said, okay, we can go home now. I said, we just drove a long way. (laughs) Are you sure? Air Force. He goes, it's Easter vacation. I want to go home. I'm like, okay, fine. So we're driving fast forward. We are driving to, um, in processing day. And my 18 year old turns to me and he says, mom, do you know what my biggest fear in life is? I said, no, you have never told me. He said, deep water. I said, now, Caleb, did you ever think where you were going to be if you got Naval Academy? Because no matter what career you picked and what major, at some point, you were going to be in the deep water. So (laughs) this is why I ask students, you know, it's not just college. Where do you see yourself in four to five years? 
And secondly, where do you see yourself in 10 years? What career could you enjoy for 30 plus years after you've done your service time? Because for the next 30 years, you will have to get up in the morning and go and do something. And it would be a real shame to go and do something you hate. It's much better to not waste, to, to enjoy the third of your life that you spend doing your job. So, um, and, and choose your jobs wisely. I give the example of uh, our enlisted Coast Guard child who wanted ordinance. And that's great. You know, that it's a great position in the military. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of job options after that. So, you know, choose well. Next, I say, do your research. You have the gift of technology, which many of us did not have years and years ago when choosing most of us applied for college, never saw it, set foot on it, and just did it <laughs> and just hope for the best. I said, you have the ability with the age of technology, you can look up each academy, you can take virtual tours, you can look what majors and minors are offered, you can look at what job options you will have once you graduate. Do your research, find out what is the best fit for you. I tell them, apply to more than one academy. Why is this? Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. It is a very, very, very low acceptance rate. And if you, uh, I believe it's like 6%, it it varies year to year, depending on how many applications in total they get. And then they pare it down through the process. By applying to more than one academy, you're giving yourself a better chance. Additionally, each academy looks for something specific each year. Now, unfortunately, blue and gold officers, liaisons, et cetera, we are never told what this might be. One year, it could be female pilots. One year, it could be Space Force. One year, it could be cyber. So you never know. We don't know what each one is looking for, but you might be the perfect fit for one of them. So apply to at least two, if not more. Mm -hmm. If your passion is indeed to be to serve, um, be flexible. You may, if you do not get the uh, academy that was your first choice, um, you can choose to pursue that and accept that. There are chances that you can apply for exchanges within the service academy, Mm -hmm. uh, semester exchanges, year exchanges, foreign exchanges. Additionally, you have the chance to possibly cross commission uh, upon graduation or fulfill your time, and you can always cross-commission to another branch at that point as well. But truly, make sure that you have the passion to serve. Um, Next, take your time when it comes to the essays. I cannot, I stress this so much with my students. Um, Take your time to carefully create and present your essays. Why are they so important? This is probably the most important part of your entire application, because it's the only part where the admissions boards can have some insight into your character. Everything else on your application is just numbers, and they're going to match all, you know, line up all the numbers to numbers of all the candidates. But when you have your essays, it's a chance for you to present yourself and your character. Make sure that you have somebody proofread it. English teachers are always happy to proofread it. Probably the most important uh, thing is to make sure that you stay on topic. Read the topic carefully. Um, 
once also, by the way, once you've put the time into these essays and, uh, and feel very happy and comfortable that these are good essays, know that most of the, the essays that you create are going to, you're going to have similar prompts across all of the academies. And it, with just slight modifications, you can use those well-written essays for most applications. Okay. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point, Marty, about how you'll see, you know, like uh, for the Naval Academy or for West Point, it'll be, you know, why do you want to be a Naval officer? Or why do you want to go to the Naval Academy? And then, you know, it's it's the same similar question to for West Point, for example. And then, you know, you can, you know, granted, you can't do an exact one for one, you know, switch of that. But, you know, but you're right. The themes are very similar. Right. So take the time. It's always, and I mean, it is always <laughs> the last thing that the students complete. They'll have their application done in a heartbeat, and then it's months for the essays. Um, next, which comes to the next topic, which is know your deadlines. Military deadlines are hard deadlines. There are no exceptions. What I have my students do is print out an old-fashioned paper calendar template and put it in the front of your binder. I request that my candidates buy a very large binder, preferably a zipper binder so they don't lose anything, um, with folder and pocket separators. You need to be organized. There are so many dates that are going to cross over each other and it's a two-track system as it is. I know in other podcasts they've talked about the nomination piece of it as well as the application piece and then you have the applications for all of the academies are the ones you are choosing to apply to in, and your and the ROTC programs as well. So there's there's a lot to keep track of. You want a section for each application, you want a section for your CFA, your fitness, you want a section for your DOBMERB, your medical, you want a section for each category of your nomination. So that your, your senatorial, your congressional, and if you qualify, your presidential. The I don't say vice presidential because that one's all online. And you want a section for your letters of recommendations. And I recommend to them, make when you're asking for them to, to write a letter of recommendation, um, you might request that it may either be editable easily or something that can be used for all the academies. Um, ROTCs, and preferably for scholarship applications in the spring. That way, as a teacher, I can tell you, it's hard when students come to you multiple, multiple, multiple times asking for letters of recommendation, which we are happy to do, but it does get cumbersome when we're also trying to teach many, many kids and do our job at the same time. So um, I would just uh, make multiple copies and keep them in, in your binder. Next would be start early. I cannot even say that enough times. This is a very, very big process. We offer, there are academy nights. If you, um, if you are exposed or offered an academy night, even in junior high, do attend. Because the sooner you start building what I call your resume and you know what is required to even be competitive, the better chance you're going to have of getting, gaining an appointment. No, start early, 
Many academies also have rolling admissions and, you know, they'll start taking the applications and you usually you have a much better chance if you are one of the first applications in front of their eyes. But additionally, one of the other reasons I also had my own children start early is because they have summertime. My students' goal, my own kids' goals was to finish by August 1st. I give that piece of advice if they can. Reason being is school starts usually middle of August. Additionally, you're going to have all the other university applications that you're going to need to start filling out in the fall on top of sports, activities, and of course, academics. So it's better to try to do it while you have a relatively open schedule in the summertime. Also, if you know that you want an academy, you know, like I said, start as early as you can. Um, you want to start building up your resume with your leadership opportunities. You want, you essentially, and I hate to say this, <laughs> I tell the kids all the time, you kind of want to be super kid. Sleep is optional. And that's, you want to be that kid that has leadership, that has um, community service, that has stellar academics, that is an athlete. You really need to be super kid or get as close to it as possible. Next. Those are all, Marnie, those are all great, uh, great pieces of advice. So please go on. I'm, I'm just, I'm so like just listening so intently here. Okay. Um, next piece that I tell them um, concerns the SAT and the ACT. Take both the SAT and the ACT. The reason I say to take both of them, because interesting, some states emphasize one over the other. But it really boils down to which is your learning and testing style. Uh, there's definitely kids will, most kids will do far better on one test than the other. Once you've established which is your test, you want to start early. I even started my own students, my own kids, taking it in the ninth grade. Why? People say, why? They don't know everything yet. And you're right, they don't. But by taking it in the ninth grade, they can see what it is that they do need to focus on and do need to learn to pass the tests with a high score. So start as early as you can, take them early, establish your baseline, and take them often. Don't be afraid if you do take them too often, though, that um, sometimes, and this happened to every one of my, kids, my own kids, you're going to get, you're going to think, oh, I did really well. And you actually got a worse score. That's okay. That's natural because every test is different. The questions are different and it may not be something that you were familiar with, but the advantage of taking them often for the academies is that they super score, which you have talked to about before, which means even if you take the test 10 times or multiple tests, you know, a total of 10 times, which my own children have done, um, they will take the very top math and the very top English and put those two together. I've had some students approach me and tell me that, well, my counselor said uh, that if I take them too often or more than once that I seem desperate. Well, that is absolutely wrong. The academies see it as that you are determined. So take them early and take them often. Great, um, great advice. Let's see. Um, next, uh, familiarize yourself with the process. 
And uh, this is where a lot of these podcasts are actually very, very handy because it is a daunting process. Uh, there are resources out there. I personally, um, when I meet with students, I, I have a, a form that it's kind of like a timeline because there, there is so much to do. No, you know, familiarize with the two track system, call or email or look at your congressman's website early and find out some of them. Every congressman does their nomination differently. Some the applications are online and exclusively online. Some they want you to have a paper one. Some they want you to uh, to just send in a resume and letters of, of recommendation and a transcript. Every single one of them is different. So you need to find out who your congressperson is. Go to their website. Find go under constituent services and find out what it is to do. To and do know that the deadlines for the uh, nomination process are much, much earlier than the deadlines for the actual applications for the service academies. So you need to be on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. And and, yeah, absolutely, Marnie. I mean, um, you know, we have, um, you know, books, I have a book on each of the service academies uh, that you can, you know, either get uh, on Amazon uh, or uh, our website. And then also uh, we have um, a uh, a course on each of the service academies that kind of go through the timelines. Also, if you go to, to our website, we also have a checklist sort of similar probably to the one that you have that can kind of where you can fill in the uh, dates of things that are due. But yeah, I think Marnie organization is, I think the key here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and believe me, my own children were not the most organized until this process. It was, <laughs> but, but they were successful because they were organized. Um, if I were to summarize one everything into one word, my, my biggest piece of advice would be communication. Communicate. It, again, I stated it is the rare student. It does happen, but it is a very rare student who can complete this process with absolutely no guidance or support. You need to communicate. There are resources that have been put in place to help you succeed and make it through this process. They do not want to miss out on a great potential leader and candidate for their service academy. So communicate. Communicate with your liaison, be it a blue and gold officer, be it a uh, an ALO, be it a field force officer. And, and, and actually, that brings me to a different, a different topic that was on something previously. So know that blue and gold officers, liaisons, field force, they most likely also have a full-time job and they're not always going to be accessible to, to communicate with. But all of the, all of the processes are very similar to each other. So if you're applying for all the big three, as we call them, uh, and you can't reach your Navy blue and gold officer, reach out to your ALO and say, hi, I have a question regarding this class or something. Um, communicate, communicate. Also, on all of your portals, once you're made an official candidate, you will have an email address for somebody directly at admissions office. Now, word of advice, this is your journey as a student. This is the student's journey. The liaison officers, the admissions, they want to hear from the student. Now, 
Understandably, that's not always easy. There are time difference changes. Students are in school. They're in practice till late at night. You know, if you're on the West Coast trying to reach the East Coast, that's not always easy. They do understand that every now and then, you know, they will talk to a parent that has reached out. But for the most part, this is the student's journey and it is their responsibility to reach out and communicate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Marnie. I mean, um, I know in working with some candidates, um, sometimes they uh, express like one of the candidates I work with, um, couldn't get a hold of their field force officer. Um, and, um, I had to explain to the candidate that this field force officer is a volunteer who has, has a job and other things going on and is not like a dedicated, uh, person that, you know, works for admissions, you know, directly. So, so you're right. There's many different avenues, but yeah, I think, you know, for the listeners here, they have to understand that most of these, you know, people are volunteers and, you know, they, and they have varying degrees of, you know, responsibilities, uh, in their life and, and may not be able to answer your questions immediately. Well, and, and I do, you know, I do need to add, you know, all of these people, like you said, that are volunteers, we are putting in volunteer hours because it's something we're passionate about. Um, my daughter that went to Naval Academy, she there just are not a lot of blue and gold officers in our area. And that's one of the reasons why I chose to do that as well. Um, but prior to, <laughs> I wasn't one when she was applying. So we referred to the ALO officer, um, his name was Lieutenant Colonel Dave Russell, who was great. And he was the ALO for all three of my kid, my own kids. And so even though she was applying for Naval Academy, he stepped up and stepped in and helped her all along the way. And uh, even, even though my 2020 child did not get a graduation from Naval Academy because it was COVID, um, he even not only... Well, he also, he awarded her with her uh, appointment, even though he was Air Force, and he attended, we did a little small family graduation, and he awarded her there as well. So all of the field officers, Blue and Golds and liaisons, we all have the same purpose. We're all there for the students and to help find great leaders that'll run our country. That's awesome, Marnie. Exactly right. And so, um, so I think the listeners at this point would kind of be interested. One in in I mean, you're both a BGO and an ALO, and uh, that's really really interesting. I don't think you see a lot of people who actually do both. I know that you do have a friend who actually does all three, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but I was just kind of curious about whether or not you could just. You know, I know your friend does the field force. So I was just kind of interested if you could give a brief um, uh, just explanation about the differences between the three and kind of how the academy sees uh, the, the role of these kind of BGOs, ALOs, or field force. Um, all of us are what what they call the boots on the ground. We we are the people. We are their eyes. We are their ears. Again, all the admissions boards get to see are the essays and a bunch of numbers, test scores, class grades, rankings, et cetera, et cetera. And when we, when we interview, we actually hold an interview, and I'll, t I'll give you some interview advice too. Um, each of us 
hold an interview and ask very specific, you know, we will ask um, situational questions, how you handle situational questions, uh, ethical situations, especially Uh, we're always, you know, being an ethical leader is of utmost importance. That's what they're looking for. Um, But they rely heavily on us and our reports. I will rewrite my my summary and my report probably five or six times before I actually turn it in. You know, it, it's very nerve wracking on our part because we know that you know a couple of words or a sentence could make a whole difference in a, in a kid's future. And so we try to do our very best to be as honest about what we saw and what we heard and their responses. But they, the, all the academies rely heavily on us officers out in the field. We are their eyes and their ears. Uh, there are different levels of, I would say, um, different academies hold different philosophical levels of uh, interaction with applicants. So, you know, some may encourage not, a, you know, the student to do more. Uh, some encourage us to uh, be there for a support, to help them mm-hmm. be successful. So there's just different philosophies on what it is. And that's, again, why I say if you're not able to reach one of your liaisons, please reach out to another if you have a question. And they, we basically all know the same stuff. I also know, like I found it interesting, if you attend summer seminar at West Point, for instance, I didn't under know this before, they will actually do the interview right then and there at summer seminar. And I know you've talked, I think you've talked about summer seminars in other podcasts. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just know that. My my own son did not know that. He just thought he was talking to, <laughs> you know, another cadet. Because uh, I said, aren't you going to do an interview? And they're, they're like, oh, we did it at summer seminar. I'm like, oh, okay. So they do run their interview. You know, each, each one will run it a little bit different. I will say that Navy and Air Force do run their interviews pretty similarly. And so let's, do you want me to jump to interview advice? Then? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I think that's another um, area um, that is um is uh, is important. So I just would say, you know, at, at, at as before we leave this topic, I'd say mm-hmm. that if you had to do it on a continuum of, you know, um, you know, one one area that says, you know, one service academy that that gives tends to want their uh, their their liaisons more involved versus say less involved. I'd say, would you agree that the continuum to be more involved would be maybe the Air Force Academy and then? lesser involved, but still, you know, still wanting, still willing to help the candidate and wanting to help the candidate would be the Naval Academy. Would that be, and then West Point somewhere in the middle, would that be, would that be accurate? You think? Um, I, I, I would say so probably, but I also have to say that every liaison officer and blue and gold officer does have a certain amount of freedom to, to implement their own style. I should say, uh, of mentoring. So, you know, and it, again, it, it follows maybe the philosophy of the branch itself too. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So in other words, there's variation within the general guidance that's given to the, to the liaison officers or blue and gold officers that are actually out in the field and doing this on a day in and day out basis. So yeah, let's go ahead and just move into any advice regarding the interview, because that's really 
<clears throat> the one time um, that they're going to be um, evaluated. So, you know, so why don't we cover both, you know, BGO and ALO and just um, what general advice you might have. And I know that for the ALO piece that, you know, there's a kind of a mentor ALO and a evaluative ALO. So there's a kind of a difference there, but, but if you could just go into general uh, advice and then, you know, get into, you know, kind of how one can be successful in these interviews. Well, it's interesting in comparing Navy and Air Force, they do do their interviews differently. So the blue and gold officer that you are assigned as a candidate will be the person who does your interview. Most likely your, um, Whereas the Air Force has gone to a new system, you will have, just like you stated, you have a mentor ALO, and that's the person who helps you through the process. And then they take the candidate away from the mentor ALO for about three or four weeks and put them on an evaluator's, they assign them to an evaluator, and so their whole file is transferred to an evaluator for about three or four weeks for the interview to happen, and then, of course, the the follow-up paperwork and report that's sent to the academy. And then after the interview is completed, um, this candidate will be transferred back to the mentor ALO. So it's it's two different ways of doing it. Um, I can see the advantages and disadvantages of both because I do it (laughs) because I do both. Um, But beyond that, the interview itself is basically the same type of questions So myself, uh, when I do my interviews, especially for the Air Force, because I don't know anything about the student coming to me, I have created a pre-interview questionnaire just so I can get a little bit of idea of this, where the kid is from and what he's done and what what his aspirations are, um, what what he hopes to major in, et cetera, et cetera. I do ask some situational questions. The questionnaire in turn helps me develop, I think, a more uh, successful interview. So, Marty, do you, Marty, do you have, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you have access to their application either for Naval Academy or Air Force Academy, or is everything you're doing based on the uh, questionnaire that they fill out that you give them? Interesting you ask that. <laughs> so both academies that I work with previously had different platforms, uh, on the computer and we were able to see, uh, their classes and their grades and their activities and things like that. The new platform we use is Salesforce. And because it's new to both academies, I really can't see much except their name and their phone number. So it is, it is a little difficult. Um, so I have to base what they tell, you know, on what they tell me in the questionnaire. And that goes for both of them. It, that we both—it's the same platform. They're both using Salesforce. So hopefully, as time goes on, Salesforce will get better and we'll be able to see their applications again. Why I why I think that's super super important is you know a candidate that let's say does not receive an appointment will come back to us and go, I'd like to apply again. What should I do better? What should I do different? And without being able to see their their grades their activities etc it's hard for us to give them advice on that yeah yeah great point marnie and i'd say for the field force i have you know friends of mine who are in the field force 
and they they have actually have a roll up so they can go on to the their system and look at the general roll up the scores the activity sort of like the way that the naval and air force academy used to be so uh so that's the difference i think with west point is that they still give field force uh people access to um you know the roll up that you perhaps had before on a candidate yes i as an educator, I like that system better, but unfortunately, we got to deal with what we have. So um, my, my first word of advice would be, before you interview, if you know when you have your interview, you need to familiarize yourself with that particular academy. Again, you know, the students are blessed to be in the age of technology. Go on the website, look at the academy, look what it offers, look what its motto is, look what the foundation is, look at their offerings, look at the location, the motto, code of honor. You familiarize yourself with what you will be interviewing for. So do your homework. Now, um, when the actual interview, you want to dress appropriately, even if it's on Zoom. Not everybody, of course, has a suit. I, you know, you just dress the best that you have. You want to have a space, if you can, with no distractions. The parents are not supposed to be (laughs) in the room. Uh, Some uh, some interviewers, I know when my children interviewed with the Blue and Gold officer, he would talk with the parents first and then send the parents out of the room and then go on with the interview. So it's up to how the particular officer wants to run their interview. Eye contact. Eye contact says so many things. Even if it's on Zoom, eye contact is so important. What do they say? That the the, the eyes are, you know, the window to the soul. (laughs) So eye contact is very important. It says a lot about you. Be confident in your answers. Answer from your heart and be honest. And when you are answering from your heart, we can tell, usually we can tell when a kid is just giving a canned answer or or when it's something that's actually coming from their heart. Be passionate. If this is your passion, don't be afraid. You don't have to be reserved and, you know, show your passion, Uh, show your determination that this is what you want. You want to avoid, um, it's okay if you can, you can ask. For the question to be repeated, a lot of times on Zoom, it, it, it may get garbled. So that's not an issue. You can take a minute to pause, you know, to think about it. Uh, but do not, you know, try to avoid the ums and the uhs. Answer the exact question. Listen carefully to exactly what they're asking you. And try to answer the question or the prompt directly. And I would say those are probably, that. that's my best Words of advice. Yeah, no, those are those are great pieces of advice, and I think um, it's important, like you said, Marty. To uh, and we had an A law. We talked to a, an A law uh, in in a previous episode, but I think it's important that to for listeners to understand that the that uh, granted, you know, this is COVID aside, but that it's most likely that your BGO interview is going to be done in person, and your A law interview is going to be done via zoom or some sort of video conferencing now i know there's exceptions to that but that's sort of the way it's looking for both uh for air force academy and naval academy i know for west point they prefer in person so but the way that at least the air force academy set it up 
you know, usually the um, evaluator ALO is not in your local area. Correct. Yeah. So, so that means so. So um, it's interesting, uh, Marty, did you know, I don't know if you knew this, but the, the field force for uh, West Point, or at least uh, the, um, the uh, West Point, that until several years ago, um, there were people coming to the academy that, that never had an interview, um, that actually, uh, I think it was like two or three years ago, the director of admissions at West Point required that everybody actually get an interview before they go to, go to West Point. And so um, it is interesting, kind of the evolution of this interview, you know, how how important it is. And I, I, and I do agree with you. It is it is important, um, you know, but it's really about those what you're talking about, those kind of eyes on. And, you know, the comments that you make are read and, you know, and do go into, um, you know, the overall evaluation of the candidate. We do. We, we look at body language. Um, the age of technology is really such an asset to these kids because they can go on to YouTube. They can find out more information on successful interviews uh, in specific successful, well, plus your podcast, but uh, successful academy and ROTC interviews. It's all out there They're in both YouTubes and you know written form. So use your, use your gift of technology. I, I tell the fun, the story of my cousin who was one of the very first uh, classes of girls at West Point. She applied, had no idea what she was getting herself into, came from California with one suitcase and, you know, it was like the deer in the headlights, but she did it. She did well and she's doing well to this day, but boy, she just had absolutely no idea what she was getting herself into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, there's so much online and, um, you know, and posting forums and things like that. So definitely take advantage of those, um, of those things. So, so I want to ask you, Marnie, also, um, for the, the BGO and ALO interview, and we don't have to get into the, you know, the specific questions or whatever, but is, are they, is there latitude given to you to, to ask the questions you want to ask, or are they, more proscriptive, where they tell you the questions that they want you to ask? Um, Our old form, basically, we have a little more latitude now. The old old computer system had our old form on it, at least for Air Force, and and they give you choices, but then you can formulate them and modify them to the student. Like when a student, when I'll ask an ethical question in my pre-candidate, you know, my pre-interview questionnaire, and I will form a question based on that situation. So we do, there are, there are certain categories. Uh, Communication is one of them. Passion is one of them. I mean, there's, there's different categories that we are looking for. Definitely. But we do have a lot more latitude on the questions that we ask. And we do try to tailor them to each student if possible. Yeah, I think that's great, you know, because obviously students from different parts of the country or, you know, different experiences that they have may, you know, require a different type of question and things like that. So I'm I'm glad that they give you that flexibility to kind of, you know, within themes, kind of, you know, be able to get at, you know, the questions that you think are appropriate for that particular candidate. 
Right. As long as we can address the theme and give an adequate answer to the Academy in that category, we can, we really can do ask what we need to ask. Um, I was trying to see if there was other, uh, what else you had asked me another question. Other, other advice. So, um, Okay. Let's see. I mean, you've already talked about, you know, the, you know, we already talked about the interviews getting ready. Uh, I think, you know, we've covered pretty much, I think all the things we wanted to here, I think, I think it's just, I think we we're just going to end up with just asking you, you know, if you had anything that maybe you forgot or anything that you additional that you uh, want to advice you want to give to either the candidate or the parent that might be listening to this podcast. Um, in terms of the, in terms, again, uh, of the student, again, I emphasize, use your technology. Know what you're getting into. Midshipmen and cadets themselves have posted many YouTube videos. Everything from, and the, the service academies have also posted YouTube videos um, regarding everything from in-processing to basic training to, to daily life. There are kids that post uh a minute, a minute a day in, in my sophomore year. And you can see what a, a Naval, I think it was a Naval Academy kid did that. You know, and you could see one minute of each day of their sophomore year and what they did. Uh, so use those resources. I, it really did help my own kids, you know, when they showed up for basic to kind of get an idea of what they were in for, because otherwise, again, you're going to be that deer in the headlights. So use technology to your advantage. Um, Ask yourself again, why do you want an academy? You know, is, is this truly for you? I know for my own children, they have seen, it, it takes a certain strong character to attend an academy. Why? Because again, in the age of technology, you're seeing social media, you're seeing your friends that are going out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, they're out partying, they're out going to bars or dancing or are going on these weekend excursions. Um, and you at an academy are not going to get to do that, at least not for a long time. <laughs> so it's much more restrictive. Now you're going to have many more neat options that a lot of students in a regular school would have, but um, such as exchanges and, and being able to fly in planes and jump out of planes, you're going to have all sorts of great stuff, but you need to ask yourself, is this for me? Why an academy? It's not just a free education, but make sure that the fit is for you. The reason it's such an important question is if you get an appointment and it's not for you, it's sad because you took the slot of somebody that may have really, really, really wanted that. So, you know, do some introspective thinking and last parents role. This is super important. Again, this is your student's journey. You can be what I call the taskmaster. I became very familiar with deadlines. I basically became the verbal clock and saying, okay, don't forget you have a week, you know, to get this in, or you have a day to get this in and be supportive. But it, it really is the student's role. And the academies want to see that these kids are willing to put the work in to do this. And I think that would be, I think that would be the biggest. Yeah, thing. I think that's it. 
Well, great, great, Marty. Well, thanks. That was just so helpful for this pod, you know, for you coming on today. And I'm sure that when this is done, you're going to say, oh, man, I forgot to tell them three other things that I wanted to tell them. So, um, but uh, if we, if that, if it comes to that, I'm sure that we could probably do another one here if we down the road here. So why don't we uh, plan on that sometime in the future? And, you know, we can maybe go into, um, you know, maybe a different subject because, um, I know we talked about, um, you know, you know, about maybe going into some other topics, but thanks so much for, uh, coming on today, uh, Marnie and, um, we'll, uh, definitely be uh, talking soon. Yeah. Love to have, it was, it was awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of the gain service Academy admission podcast. Connect with us at gainserviceacademyadmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.